Well, more Americans than expected got jobs last month, even as COVID-19 numbers were racing higher than ever before. Whilst in Canada, job numbers were down. Why? Because the US stayed open, whereas many Canadian cities were in lockdown. But the dark underbelly of those US numbers, wages were up more than expected, adding to the inflation woes. Add higher oil prices as China gets back to work. Will inflation just get worse and worse? And Australia, will we be letting the backpackers back in soon? It's Monday, the 7th of February, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So the US dollar edged up only slightly on Friday after the non-farm payrolls numbers, but the Aussie dollar lost a lot of ground, losing almost 1%, but still well over the 70 US cent mark. The pound also lost half a percent on Friday, and it was another strong day for the Nasdaq, up 1.6%. The S&P 500 also up half a percent, but a small fall in the Dow. Amazon shares were up over 13.5% after its strong earnings on Thursday night. Sales up 9% is what helped drive that number up. I wonder if anyone is going to survive in the retail sector, except for Amazon. It's just too easy to buy stuff on Amazon, isn't it? That is the problem. European equities were down on Friday, just a little for the FTSE 100, but a 1.7% drop in the DAX. And bond yields racing ahead. For example, German 10-year bonds are now at 0.2%. Yes, positive 0.2%. That's a seven basis point lift on Friday. US 10-year treasuries were up eight basis points to 1.91%, but two years up 12 basis points. So more flattening of the yield curve going on there. And big rises in oil, WTI and Brent, both up around 2.3% and both well over $80 now. In fact, 93.27 for Brent. And big rises in jobs. Jobs on Friday in the United States. Let's start talking about that first of all with Rodrigo Catrill from NAB in Sydney. Four hundred and sixty-seven thousand more people employed in in January. Overwhelmingly private jobs. Uh, the expectation was that it was going to be a lot less than that because of uh, Omicron, but it but it seems not. Morning, Phil. Yeah, it, it's been a it, it was a very very impressive report. Uh, not only because of that very punchy number beating expectations. Um, you know, on Thursday, uh, I think you guys talked about how the big range of expectations was, uh, particularly because of that very soft ADP number, uh, with some, uh, you know, pretty prominent uh, economists calling for, you know, minus 400 or even minus 300 uh, jobs uh, for Friday. So that was in itself very, very impressive. But what's, what, what was even more impressive is that the net revisions of the previous month uh, was an additional 709 new jobs. So overall, as you say, is is a reflection of an economy that has been extremely resilient over the course of this Omicron wave. Um, and as you say, people have kept on getting new jobs and, and, and kept on working. So um, to some extent, the, the U.S. labor market, uh, so rather the U.S. labor rep, uh, department highlighted how Strong things could have been, had it not been for Omicron, uh, with nearly 2 million workers unable to look for work uh, uh, during January because of the pandemics. So, again, another reflection of how strong the labour market is. Yeah, well, on that, the numbers, the number of COVID cases, the seven-day average in mid-January in the US was over 800,000, and it's now down to 300,000. So you'd assume that that February report is going to be so much better now we've seen that going down. Yeah, so there's a a little bit of debate about that, that, um, uh, again, just like on Friday, there's quite a lot of division within the market that some expect that, 
you know, the payback that we should have had in January could still come in February. So some are very cautious of even potentially a negative print. Uh, but overall, I think my, my general sense is that even if it's a soft number, people will look through it uh, as a, just a reflection of a, of a small sort of blip because of Omicron. What is interesting is they had this big drop in Canada, didn't, didn't they? 200,000 jobs less. Uh, the participation rate actually fell in Canada. The participation rate, we should mention, in the United States is up, which is why the unemployment rate is up ever, ever so slightly. But, I mean, that's perhaps a good sign of the participation rate's up. That means more people are, are looking for work. But, uh, of course, in Canada, they locked down, didn't they, a lot in January. So there were people who couldn't work, uh, and so uh, so that would have accounted for the difference. So then it's worth looking at the numbers of hours worked, and uh, we did see a drop, didn't we, in the non-farm payroll. So the, so the, clearly a lot of people had a job, but there were days off six. So the total hours worked in January in the United States is down to 34.5 hours from 34.7 in December, 34.8 in November, 35 last January. So obviously a lot, even though there were people who had jobs, so obviously a lot of people calling in sick, or so it would seem. Yes, so so that's an interesting thing because it's a reflection of kind of the strategy, as you say. So the sort of the numbers that we got from Canada, it was what many were expecting we would see in, in the US. Uh, but because of this policy of sort of learn to live with it, uh, people remained employed, but uh, worked less because they were sick or because they had to, you know, because others were sick. And so um, it's an interesting sort of reflection, which, you know, sort of a, something to, to bear in mind, given what, you know, the decision here in New South Wales to sort of um, be a little bit more flexible with the Omicron wave. Uh, and maybe we'll see that uh, similar sort of similar outcome in, in Australia as well. Importantly, as you touch on, on the participation rate, it's also worth highlighting that it was actually quite a significant uh, jump in the participation rates. Uh, and uh, from a statistical point of view, that the gain was significant on, on the month. Um, and it also reflects how more women are coming back into the labor market. Um, which is something that, you know, we, we got to bear in mind because if, if it continues at these rates, it means that the, the increase in supply of labor um, will be significant enough to start putting downward pressure on wages. So um, it's, it's obviously, you know, you need to see a few more months of the same thing, but uh, it was very encouraging because it's something that the Fed had been hoping for, uh, and, and you know, it will play into the market thinking if it continues over the coming months. But it's not happening yet, though, is it? Because the average hourly earnings up 0.7% month on month, and you'd think that, you know, there'll be a lot of well, a lot of people going back with lower-paid hospitality workers, those in arts and entertainment coming back to work, so they'd be lower-paid jobs, so they could actually bring that average down. But 0.7% month on month would be a bit of a concern, wouldn't it? Yes, and even if you, you know, look at it in more detail, and you look at the rates of, of increase over the last three months, that annualized rate is around 7.7. So it's really not sustainable. And again, a, a very, very good reason why Fed officials are talking about not only beginning the new hiking cycle in March, but also maybe maybe considering the need to actually be more aggressive. Um, and in fact, you know, there's a lot of debate about whether it's going to be four or five rate hikes. Uh, but after Friday, we saw a big jump on, on the market expectations and now a fifth rate hike is, is just under 50% priced um, with a cash rate of 1.43 by, by the end of the year. Well, just to think that Janet Yellen was predicting inflation will be back down to 3% by the end of the year. Uh, so like in the middle of last year, she was saying that's slightly wrong on that. Uh, well, we get the CPI numbers later this week. So uh, I assume the expectation is, given all of this, the expectation is that they will have gone up a bit further. Yes. So there's still expectations for, for that uh, CPI to, to, to continue to rise. 
I think what will be important, just as has been over recent months, is, is that what what is actually driven that rise. Um, you know, maybe we will get a little bit of a, a big jump from energy cost, uh, although expectations are maybe that maybe that will be reflected more so in February. Um, because of course, oil prices and energy prices have continued to rise. Um, but it's, it's about those components that are considered to be more sort of core components uh, and that tend to be more longer lasting, such as wages and, and, and rents and cost of living. If that's a component that continues to rise, that will be a concern for, for the Fed rather than the volatile ones that um, could well, you know, drop or, or decrease in, in coming months. Andrew Bailey got into a lot of hot water trying to talk down wages in the, in the UK on Friday by trying to tell everybody that they shouldn't be pushing for wages because that's only going to drive inflation uh, in a country which where, you know, everyone's struggling and they're looking at how much he's earning and thinking, uh, how can you tell us that? Uh, so that wasn't hugely a popular uh, move on his part. Let's look at uh, Europe. Let's look at the ECB. Uh, the euro has held onto the gains it made. It's close to a three-month high now. Uh, obviously, like everything, it was hit by dollar strength uh, the last few months. But there's, uh, you know, it's back now. There's clearly demand for the euro since the ECB. And this is all down to the change in tone, particularly from the press conference, isn't it, last week? Yes, um, that, that was really the, the big one in terms of many are calling it the ECB tilt, um, that now that there's, mm. there's going to be a change in tune coming from the bank, uh, which will be significant because uh, we've got to remember that the, the ECB uh, has a cash rate of negative 0.5%. So that's, that's you know, the lowest among, you know, yeah. the lowest, essentially. It's, it's very negative. And the... Um, the euro has become the funding currency of choice because of essentially you're getting paid to borrow it. Uh, so um, now that there's going to be the shift is a significant one because, you know, we haven't seen positive cash rates in, in Europe for uh, over seven years. Um, and if it is the case, as, as the market is now pricing, that the cash rate will get to, to zero by, by the end of 2022, that's a significant shift in terms of mentality and also significant shift in terms of the euro being used as the funding currency. So it's a big deal. And, and we got to remember that, you know, back in the old days when fair value for the euro before the cash rate went negative was around 135, 140, or even a little bit higher. So the potential for the euro to reprice is significant. And, and in fact, you know, on Friday, we saw this big, big, big support for the US dollar. And yet the euro remained very, very, very strong and, and didn't give any, any of the gains back from, from the ECB gains. So, so, so it's significant. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of things that need to happen. But at the moment, uh, that improvement and global momentum in terms of growth and inflation is also a story that is happening in Europe and is supporting this notion that the, the ECB will be hiking uh, later in the year. Well, Christine Lagarde is talking tomorrow. We've got others from the ECB later in the week as well. So we'll see if they hold their hold their stance. And we've got new forecasts as well from the European Commission, including inflation forecasts later in the week. But uh, let's talk about China as well, because they are back from holidays uh, a week of catch-up to do on on equities. Also, possibly, I'm looking at Bloomberg this morning, the vital group, the commodities trader, reckon that uh, China is going to go big on building up its oil reserves, which, you know, is is good news if that's because they think they can up production. Bad news if they, you know, they're reportedly at a bare minimum. So they have to get these, uh, they've got to get the, the oil reserves in so that they can meet their demands. What's that going to do to, to uh, oil prices, which, you know, are getting closer and closer to that $100 mark, aren't they? Yes. I mean, if anything, that's one of the big news within commodities, not only the rise that we saw Friday, but over the whole week, you know, oil, oil prices have continued to rise. Mm. As you say, both Brenton and uh, WTI now above 90. 
and the story is very supportive. You know, we have this global momentum. Uh, the economies in China is also being supported by by new stimulatory measures, and expectations are for eventually those measures to start showing in activity in in, in a couple of months' time. So. Um, if everybody is, you know, firing on all cylinders, then the demand for, for commodities and for energy will be significant. And of course, the story for oil is, is the lack of supply or the concerns over supply. So um, it's difficult to see oil coming out under severe downward pressure yeah. over the coming months. Well, we get um, uh, the caging services and composite PMIs uh, later on today uh, from China. Uh, and uh, the other thing to watch, obviously, is the uh, is the geopolitics. You know, this collusion between China and Russia. The, you know, the, this mutual support that they seem to have eked out. That uh, you know, Ukraine and Taiwan. You support us on Ukraine, we'll support you on Taiwan. Uh, and uh, let's hope that you know it doesn't turn into uh, any sort of military action. But uh, you know, it's, uh, we've got President Macron off to Russia today to try and sort it all out. But that uh, continues to be a story in the background. Look today. Q4 retail sales for Australia. And uh, we've also got to talk about lifting of restrictions. As you were saying earlier, you know, living with Omicron, maybe that's going to be the way now. Are we going to let overseas tourists in? It's possible that could be within a few weeks. That's going to give the uh, a, a bit of a fillip to the uh, to the economy, isn't it? Yes. Uh, so I suppose in terms of the, um, the retail sales, they're an important measure for the consumer calculations in terms of contribution to GDP for Q4. We're expecting a decent uh, recovery of 7.8% for the quarter um, against a, a big decline that we saw in the previous quarter. So, so that, that will be um, uh, good news for Australia. Um, uh, and in terms of the, the, the tourism story, that, that's great news because um, not only means activity, mm-hmm. obviously, for, for the tourist um, industry, which will be significant, um, but also it also means it's, again, a reflection of the reopening um, um, and I suppose the question there is is how quickly and how how many of you know backpackers will come through and, and contribute to the economy as well um, through the labour market and not not just in terms of tourism and expanding that tourists have, but also those that tend to stay here for a little bit longer and contribute to the labour market. So that could be significant yeah. as well. And then our business survey out tomorrow. Uh, look, the boost that the Aussie dollar got from the. Uh, rosier outlook from the RBA last week. It didn't seem to last long, did it? Because the Aussie was one of the uh, the big losers on Friday. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, you know, some of that was the, the strength in the US dollar. But it's going to be interesting uh, to see how the Aussie holds out this week yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, it's also we shouldn't lose sight about the whole week. I mean, the, the, the Aussie, you know, still has done well on the week. It's up over 1.2% for the week. And very much the story in Australia as well is 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 also, that's the takeaway from, from last week. Uh, Governor Lowe, you know, now open the door to the possibility that we could have rate hikes in 2022. It will be very much data dependent. And at the moment, the economy and the data is printing I quite nicely. So, I so, don't think he used quite such a strong word as possible. He said plausible, didn't he? Which is a slightly watered plausible. plausible, I think he said, didn't he? he didn't say- but in the words of central banks, that's a big deal. <laughs> but plausible is not quite possible, is it? But anyway, uh, look, uh, it's a uh, watered down version, I think. Anyway, we could uh, talk about that forever, couldn't we? Look, German December industrial production numbers. And U.S. December consumer credit numbers are also out later on today. But I think we've taken about as much information as we can absorb in 15 minutes. So we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Rodrigo. Catch you next time. <laughs> Cheers, Phil. And that's it. That's the morning call for this Monday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you again tomorrow morning.